For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, this is former NFL tight end Clay Harbor coming to you with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy sports app that's super fun. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few clicks. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stays in play if your player gets injured in the first half and does not return in the second. Crazy, right? Go to prizepicks.com slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, and enter code B-L-E-A-V for your first deposit match up to $100. Hey, my friends, this is episode number two of the three-part interview I had with Dr. Jen Welter, the NFL's first female coach. If you have not listened to episode number one, by all means, get on back, listen to it. It's powerful, and obviously it's going to lead right into this part. And then, of course, once you're done here, make sure you jump over to episode number three and hear our conclusion. So here it is. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Recovering Athlete Podcast. My name is Cletus Coffey, a former professional and world champion athlete. In each episode, we are bringing you inspiring individuals or educational trainings to help you get out of mediocrity and learn how to reach your highest potential in life after sports. I'm so thankful you're here. Now let's come together and create a greater impact in life than we ever did in sports. You know, this reminds me of a, of a quote I actually heard you say on uh, on one of your talks that I found on yeah. your website. And you said, everything that can make you wrong can absolutely make you right. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Everything that could have been, you weren't the right person or you couldn't have been, but yet it absolutely made you right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Great quote. Because of all those women and it was the heart. And it was also, you know, me being the person who would go into that team and, and not expect to like, you know, run past them or over them or this, but like to earn their respect because I would take their hardest hits and just get back up and be like, you know what, I can do better this time. And that's what the guys respected. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, they knew I, I would do everything that I could. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, there's still, um, Clinton Solomon, who played for the Chicago Bears, who's a receiver for them, and then he played for us. Um, one of my he he was a person who really, you know, he was my guy on that team. And uh we were talking probably about a year ago now, and you know, we catch up whenever I'm in Dallas because he still lives there. And um he's like, Man, he's like, I still get asked all the time, like isn't that team like the revolution? Weren't you the team that had a girl? And he's like, I have to correct him. He's like, not a girl, the girl. <laughs> and he's it. like, you made us all better, Jen. Cause I was like thanking him for being so great to me. And he was like, no, nah. he's like, you made us all better. Like you changed all of us. Everybody who was, had anything to do with that team was impacted by that experience. So. You know, and that may have been the first, probably wasn't the first. It was definitely not the last that you were the girl. And in fact, you were the first. 
you were the first to find yourself on an NFL sideline. The first woman to find herself on an NFL sideline. How the hell did that come about? <laughs> um, again, you know, uh, so I actually got my first coaching opportunity with the revolution. Um, coach dub, uh, wasn't with us the next season. Our, our, the following season, uh, they brought in a new head coach and that was Wendell Davis, former Dallas Cowboy. And Wendell came in and, and I didn't know him and we didn't know each other. And there was an event that I was at because it was a, a it was a Cowboys networking event. And, you know, I did a lot of those things and, um, normally the Cowboys and the revolution wouldn't intermix. So like, I didn't know my guys were going to be there, but Wendell had brought them cause he wanted them to get more integrated and, you know, kind of learn that stuff. And so I walk in and see all the guys and we hadn't seen each other in forever. Right. They picked me up and tossed me around like a football cause relative to them, I am one. <laughs> and it caught Wendell's attention. Like he was like, who is this girl that all my guys love? And his defensive coordinator, Devin Wyman was like, coach, that's your running back. And Wendell and I have talked about this. He, he told me later, he was like, Jen, I knew everything about you, right? I knew, you know, we had girl running back. Da, 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 da. I mean, I'd seen all the press, knew everything, but it never crossed my mind that the guys would love you like that. He said, you know, I thought it was something that they tolerated right? That it was just a stunt or a thing. Like I didn't realize that you would really have been a part of the team like that. And he was like, I had never seen them respond to anybody or anything like that. Wendell sits me down, asks me like what was good with the team, grills me on football, all this stuff, pretty intense conversation. He's an intense dude, right? We get along. I, full disclosure, I survived getting tackled by those guys every day for a season. I was not doing that again. Um, so I, you know, I had nothing to lose. I was going to make sure that the guys that I cared about were in a better position than they were before. So I was very honest with them. Next day, my phone rings. It's Wendell. He said, all Devin and I could talk about yesterday on our car ride home was how you had to coach this football team. And I said, no. So what do you mean? No. I said, No. I'm not doing that. Women don't coach football. And you want to throw me like right into men's pro football? Like, no. And he was like, Jen, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no. And I hung up the phone. The next day he called me back and told me about myself. He said, <laughs> do you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity and you were taking this job? And I said, yeah. He said, good. I took it for you. You're coaching for me. And by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise, the entire narrative surrounding women coaching in men's professional football will be, we had a girl once and she quit. Manipulation. What? Boy, oh boy, did he have my number. Um, you know, yet again, it was like, would I, have, would I have pursued it on my own? No. I, I, it wasn't something I had imagined was possible but would I quit no because I wouldn't do that for the same reasons that you know on the revolution I was like man they're they're gonna have to cut me or kill me because I'm not quitting right like 
that that you just don't do that that's part of the code like my dad always said like you start something you finish it like that's the only rule like if you want to do this you do it you don't quit and i was like so then you know thankfully um when i got into this situation um i realized that i knew more than maybe i thought i had and that i was good at you know helping especially with technique stuff because you know, I'd had to figure out a lot on my own in my career. Um, and being small, like technique was really essential, right? That I told you about. So I ended up being good at it. The guys were really responsive. Um, the hard thing about that team was, you know, we started out with a coaching staff of nine, um, a lot of them being former NFL players. And then they quickly realized that there was not a lot of money and there was a lot of grind which to me, that's what football always was, right? We never had money and we always had crying. So it was no different than women's football in that. But we, um, where our staff kind of ended up like the 10 little Indians, right? We lost one and then we'd lose another. And then, you know, even Wendell was gone. Um, and it ended up being just Devin Wyman and I. So there's two of us. So you end up getting more responsibility um, quickly. And... Him and I were like, you know, just the two of us. This was what we had. And um, we got help from other people like Terry Glenn. He ended up coming in and helping our receivers. But it was really um, Devin and I, so we were really close. And um, the good thing about change is, like, I, I think it it's, it, it's contagious. Um, and it opens minds. And it, it doesn't have to be you for that to be, but it – it's an extension, right? And so when Sarah Thomas was hired as the first full-time female ref in NFL history, a reporter asked Bruce Arians if he could ever see a female coaching in the NFL. And BA's response was very typical BA. The second a woman proves she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. So I ended up talking to Devin about it. You know, that was my head coach. And Dev was like, well, we should call Bruce then. You know, Devin's a former NFL guy too. And he's like, can you get me his number? Can I get you his number? Like, dude, didn't you play in the NFL? Like, don't you guys have like a network? Can't you get his number? And he was like, I'll talk to him. He was like, you know, get me his number. Okay. So I went on the Cardinals website and started looking around for a number, called the main number. Um, you know, on that day, I, I didn't necessarily say that I was an assistant coach. I was an assistant calling the Cardinals on behalf of myself as if I wasn't myself. Um, I worked my way to Bruce's assistant and told him that my head coach wanted to talk to his head coach, which was true, um, about this female coach that was on his staff and what Bruce Arians had said about you know, the second a woman could make these guys better, she'd be hired. Um, and that though it wasn't the NFL, there was already a woman coaching in men's pro football. And Wes said, you know, I think BA would really want to take this call. Um, it's a little bit tough timing right now because it was right before the draft. And what people don't understand is uh, the movie Draft Day, when they have all of that life stuff in there, that doesn't happen. Right. Like before draft, there is nothing but like tape and football and the outside world doesn't exist. 
So I gave Wes um, Devin's number, completely thought that I was getting blown off. Like, yeah, we'll take your number, ha ha, whatever. But I was really proud of myself that I called the Cardinals. I was like, that was so cool. I can't believe I called an NFL team. Um, and about two weeks later, um, when I walked into practice and it was early in the morning, cause you know, in arena, we were practicing before work so that our guys could go to their other jobs. And, um, I walked into practice and Devin was like larger than life. And for a man that large to be larger than life, it was a little scary, right? Like he's six, seven, um, and a D line six, seven, not a basketball six, seven. Uh, so him being that excited was a little scary and he said you'll never guess who i talked to yesterday and it was bruce arians he said, tell me about this girl um mm. so ba eventually um invited me into training camp we met and then um really hit it off and then obviously he ended up bringing me into the cardinals wow wow and, and what i love about that story is you did the work you 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 made the cold call, uh, you, you know this this wasn't um, and, I, and I've and I've done it in the past. I'm I'm guilty of it, and I know so many others. Is like I'm waiting for the call. I'm waiting for the light. I'm waiting for someone to recognize me. And you know what? You grabbed it by the horns and you went after it. And and so yeah, in the first you know, NFL woman coach. Probably if I really thought it was a possibility, <laughs> I don't know that I would have called. Right? Like there is no way. Right? Like. But you know, he kind of challenged me, like, "Can you get his number?" I'm like, "I, I guess. Why? I, I guess." Um, and, and that's what it is. And from, you know, that point forward, I have always said, like, the opportunity and responsibility of being the first is to ensure that you're not the last, mm -hmm. because being the first that means that you're you're going to aggravate some people, and there are going to be people who resent you for it, and. Um, it, it's not going to be popular in all circles. Change is not popular. People who like the status quo do not want you around. Um, and you can either, you know, quietly be hated or you can actually, you know, put yourself in a position to move the needle for other people. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what I, I realized and, and continue to realize is that like, that's, that's why it was me. Um, one of my teammates uh, from Team USA, Olivia Griswold, you know, at that time we were, we were on different teams. Um, she was on Pittsburgh, I was Dallas. And, you know, those, those lines don't really cross except in national team situations. You know, usually it's very team, you know, we kind of hate people on the other team stuff, you know, it's like mm -hmm. anybody else, right? And I remember seeing OG, and she said, you know, well, and this was actually when, I think when I played on the men's team, she's like, you know, well, I'm so glad it was you. And I just looked at her, I'm like, what do you mean, OG? And she goes, well, because you represent us so well. And that to me was kind of the most important thing because, you know, people might see me, but if I'm not, if I'm not using the platform and, and the microphone to speak for others, then it should be somebody else. And, um, you know, again, like on that code thing, I don't, I don't have a lot of, and I guess I shouldn't say respect, but I think I have the most respect for people 
who get into a position and that position isn't just about them. It's about everyone. It wasn't necessarily that I was the best or am the best or it was that I, I happened to be, honestly, I look at it as the, the person who was crazy enough to be willing to play football against men um, because otherwise the other stuff would have happened, right? Like I earned the respect of the guys on the field, which is what led to um, getting an opportunity to coach and coaching in men's pro football was what led to the opportunity to, you know, the Cardinals. Wasn't that there weren't other women who could Qualified have and all that. It was just really a, a sequence of events that I stepped up to the challenge. Um, and that's why I take it so seriously that it's it's got to be about something bigger than just you know, me being coached there, right? Because that's great. Um, and, you know, for anybody who has that opportunity, it's amazing. But um, the legacy is opening the door. It's not necessarily being the one to always walk through it. Mm -hmm. Which you have, because now we have two other women, correct? Yeah. No, or, there's even more. Um, more now? Yeah, there's uh, Katie Sowers is in San Francisco. Uh, Callie Brunson is in Cleveland. Jennifer King is in, she's in Washington and Lo Locus is in Tampa. I think wow. that's all of them now, okay. but, um, and other, and other women have, um, you know, had opportunities in the interim. Catherine Smith was there and, you know, and, um, Colette Smith was with the Jets and, Odessa Jenkins actually ended up being with the Falcons brief, you know, so um, there have been and will continue to be um, more women. And I, and that makes me really happy. You know, you, you burst through that, that ceiling and it's, it's opened these doors for, for other women. Why did it take so long? I think the truth is that there really weren't, um, you know, basketball is let's let's use basketball as as a an example. Becky Hammond. That was a logical progression, right? Becky, you know, her team and the the guys' team were in the same building. They were comfortable. They knew each other. There was a professional respect. This she played the game like you know those those teams were aligned, right? And so. You could see how Pop would be like, oh, okay, well, you know, she'd be a great coach, right? Just like you would with a guy because they were um, in the same building and, you know, there's pro women's basketball. Football doesn't have that, right? There weren't the, in, there wasn't the interconnectivity of say like a, a brother-sister team or, you know, um, teams that knew each other and, and interacted. Um, and so there wasn't that ability to, to know each other even. Right. And so for me, like I said, if I hadn't played on the men's team, that sequence of events wouldn't have happened. Doesn't mean another woman wouldn't have done it or it wouldn't have happened another way, but that happened because I crossed into the men's world. Right. And so then, you know, um, you know, I coached with Wendell and Devin and, 
you know, they could talk to Bruce and say, yeah, like, you know, the guys respect her. Like it wasn't foreign. I'd already coached men, right? There was a track record and people who could say, yes, this worked and she did a good job. Whereas there wasn't at that time that I know of, um, another woman who had that, right? But once, once you get the first out of the way, right? And, and it, and it goes well, right? Then the kind of that danger of like being on the wrong end of a social experiment is gone, right? People now look at, you know, Bruce and they're like, well, of course you should do that. Like that's, you know, that's awesome. Well, we wouldn't, you know, do that. Well, let's back that up. I am thankful that I didn't mess it up enough to close the door forever because the, the opposite side of being the first is we had a girl once dot, dot, dot. And it closes the door tighter than it was before because it was bad, right? Because something went wrong, you know? And if something had gone wrong in Arizona, then the narrative would have been, you know, say for Bruce Arians, right? Here's a guy who had this impeccable coaching career, you know, two-time NFL coach of the year, you know, offensive coordinator, Steelers, Super Bowl, all of this time. Yeah, but do you remember the time he lost his mind and hired that girl? Because right. that is a very true reality of being the person who opened the door for the first, right? Like that doesn't happen. You, you could be the best in the world, but someone in that position of power, right? Like the Cardinals had to be, the, the organization had to be for it. The head coach had to be for it. And Bruce, frankly, one of the things I think was brilliant um, that he did that we talked about later was he actually asked the leaders of their locker room for their opinion, right? He went to the players and said, you know, um, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, this is what I want to do. And I need your buy-in for it to be successful because if he did it in the wrong situation, it's going to fail no matter what, or with the wrong person, it's going to fail no matter what. And the fact that I had played, the fact that I had played with men, the fact that I had already coached men and the fact that I had a PhD in psychology were all things that, you know, he said, you know what, you're, you're the right person to do this because he knew there were going to be a lot of complications beyond just X's and O's. Mm -hmm. And so, but once it works, it's, it's like, Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Why, why couldn't it happen? And it also gives, you know, people permission to go for it. That might not have before because now they could see themselves doing it right now. Now someone who, was already coaching maybe in women's football would reach out and say, you know, I want to do this or I could do this or, you know, set a trajectory to do it. Right. Like Heather Marini, who is now coaching with the Browns um, or with, yeah, uh, sorry, at Brown. I didn't mean with the Browns. She's at Brown university. Um, you know, she's from Australia. Well, I was the head coach of the Australian women's national team. Mm -hmm. Right. So those ripple effects of just getting permission to see yourself differently or to go after something differently. That's the importance of a first mm -hmm. because now other guys would be like, well, you know what? I think that's a good idea. Or, you know what? I have a daughter and I wish she would have had those opportunities. So I'm going to be that guy. Right. And that it changes the whole conversation and it's not going to be undone. 
right? Like that's the power of it. It's like once it's been done, it's no longer impossible and, and it can't be undone. So it has ripple effects in, in people's thinking and, and their openness to, you know, you know, hiring women, doing all those things. Thanks again for listening to episode number two of the Dr. Jen Welter series. Go ahead on over to episode number three, and we're going to end on a powerful note. Gang, if I can help support you in any way through this process, hit me up at cletuscoffee.com forward slash playbook. That's a starting point for you to join the recovering athlete community. We can help you make a greater impact in life than you ever did in sports. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.